Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Georgian trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Know Your Roots podcast, a loving subsidiary of the Sneaker History podcast. The empire, if you will. The young empire. <laughs> um, not yet striking back, but yet still growing. I'm Robbie. I'm here with Ro. How's it going, guys? We're here to talk about some NBA stuff, some NFL stuff. Normally, this would just be like a fall sports type of year, but COVID, for all it's worth, is giving us, you know, disease-free basketball well into September. I'm liking it. I'm liking the extended series and the extended season of basketball, and it's dovetailing nicely with the NFL. So as a sports fan, we really can't complain. Cannot at all. It's um, funny how Florida, this dome has been existing in Florida flawlessly. Yes, no Florida man incidents as of right now. I think the closest thing we could say to that is maybe Daniel House trying to go get some extracurricular activities with one of the COVID test, uh, testers, but that's another podcast for another day and our only fans. That was that's that's what makes Caruso the goat. He skipped his sister's wedding and Daniel House will let <laughs> ladies into the room. Some people are just built different. Yeah. But, you know, the Miami Dolphins are letting some people into the stadium. And it's just funny how they're doing that. And if the bubble is completely isolated and functioning right, why wouldn't you just follow suit? I saw this on Twitter actually today. They have set the new COVID record for most uh, populated game with 21,000 people. And I'm like, why are we promoting this? Bam, bam, bam. That's, that's when we have a uh, soundboard and I can do an official the sound. Ameri- uh, the Jamaican air horn. We, we'll, we'll get that in here someday, sooner than later. Big things. But um, before we dive in any further, um, I noticed you wore some shoes in today. What are, you, what are you rocking today? Uh, the Kobe AD NXT. I think the full sale colorway, if I remember correctly. It's and, beautiful. Oh, thank you. I mean, I'm in the house that Kobe helped build, so I had to pray proper homage to him and you. It's it's um, chaos esque in the colorway. It's a it's a beautiful shoe. That's one I really wish I would have bought. I remember seeing it on sneakers and not buying it. I was like, man, I should have bought those Kobe's. No, I just I feel like that has been the moral of every Kobe related sneaker drop in the last eighteen months. That they the Kobe line's been bringing some heat. So, and um, a lot of people have been bringing heat. I'm looking forward to the new James Harden release with Reebok. Um, the question slash James Harden, whatever you want to call him. Uh, there's another one coming out that Mike actually got in his hand already. The silver and the blue. silver and navy, um, silver and royal, more like yeah. Um, but I've been wearing my um, OG to OG or OG meets OG. 
I believe that's the colorway. Yeah, OG I, meets OG. Yep. And I was inspired by both you and Mike as well. And that's the first pair of Adidas I've copped in nearly a decade. So yeah, they bought Reebok, yeah. but co-branded. Ah. It's technically a Reebok box, but with all the Adidas brand. It has the Adidas hang tag on the inside. Okay. Which I always think it's funny they still use those. But go cop a pair. Maybe you can be the other OG. Ro here is my OG to OG. Ugh. We need somebody else to go cop. So you, you can be Mike's OG. It's to a OG. human centipede of OGs. If you really <laughs> want to think about it. That's one movie I watched in college and will never forget nor ever watch again. <laughs> we had intramural flag football on the Nike campus and I was the offensive coordinator and I had a formation called the human caterpillar where I would have my wide receivers line up like kindergarten style on one side of the thing. And I would just yell HCHC <laughs> and the defenses and the moms and dads watching from the sidelines were just shook to say the least. Yeah. They, they were confused by that. Yes. Um, speaking of things, Really, a lot of people don't want to watch more than once right now. Um, the NFL is a polarizing sport right now. It's America's most popular sport. If you're into baseball, I'm sorry. NFL has been the jam for a hot minute. Yep. If you go by ratings and revenue, it is what it is. But now in 2020, especially the way week one started out with Rose hometown, it's, it's, been, a, it's, it's been something that you really either – it's, 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 there's a couple angles to it. Yeah, there's definitely some angles to it. Um, while I'm appreciative of the chiefs making football great, I'm not appreciative of our fans trying to make America great because the booing has to stop. Uh, I never thought I would see the day that people would actually boo the concept of unity and right. togetherness. So that's one of those things where I cringe for our fan base. And I have a feeling every fan kind of goes through that moment because when you're part of a fan base, you are essentially part of a nation and you don't always agree with said nation. But that was one of the lowest feelings I've ever felt as a member of Chiefs Kingdom, if you will. And would you say the Chiefs are your your deepest relationship with the sporting team? I would say they are now because when we first immigrated to the States, we had a certain affinity for the Sox because we used to live right across the street from Key Arena. And then when we moved to Missouri, it was the Chiefs. And it's one of those things now where I'm very cautious about my Chief fandom because the last thing I would want is for people to accuse me of being some sort of bandwagon jumper a la the Golden State Warriors because there is this tortured fan base history of it. And then you've also got this new star that's almost not only ushering in a new era in terms of team accomplishments, but a new way to play. So that's one of those things where I feel a lot of kinship to this team. I'm not feeling that kinship towards the fans. Mm -hmm. And very fortunate that the Laker nation is a part of the NBA and how they've addressed um, social injustice in the black lives matter movement is in stark contrast to pretty much any other league um, in terms of being proactive. And for me, that's why now, I'm still playing fantasy football, and we'll do a little two-minute bit on that. But I am not really game to watch every Sunday because of the reactive nature of the NBA's response. Okay, yeah, all your players been on social media saying, we're sick and tired of this bullshit, no more. And it takes everybody going on social media and then you giving out a half-assed like Instagram post saying that you're with your players. And it's just like, everything's been a response to your players when you should have been responding with your players. Exactly. Um, very much. It's, it's yeah. a very generic way of looking at it. To your point, Robbie, when we look at what the NBA has done and even to a greater extent what the WNBA has done, they've been very tangible and very specific with what they're looking for and what they're preaching. And I will call it preaching because we are a choir and we need to hear this stuff. The NFL 
I just get the impression of a kid being yelled, uh, being yelled at because they didn't do their homework properly. So they're going through the motions and yeah, great. You put end racism on an end zone and you put remember her name, but there is a certain meaning that's also associated with these movements and the NBA and WNBA have done a much better job of conveying that. And there's a genuineness to it. And it's also one of these things. And I use this term lightly, but it's not we are bombard- getting bombarded by the NBA and the WNBA in the best ways possible because this isn't an issue that needs to die away. This mm-hmm. needs to be at the forefront of our mind. Every day when we turn on our social medias, we have to keep seeing these images. We have to keep hearing these stories because this isn't going to go away. And because our generation is at that leading forefront of this new civil rights movement, I applaud the NBA for doing what they're doing. And I can't help but shake my fingers and fists at the NFL because it just feels like a cash grab, much like everything else associated with the NFL. Mm -hmm. And I like how you brought up the fact that it it can feel like the NFL is shoving it, pardon me, that the NBA is shoving it down your throat as they should be. That's what is turning some people off from watching the NBA. And to those people, like, good, like they don't need you watching. Do you think you, like you posting on Facebook that, you know, screw LeBron James is is going to sway how he feels about civil injustice. <laughs> no, it's not. But to the same thing, that's that's kind of what has been at the root of this rot in the NFL is the division of fans when they see people kneeling or now even like honoring unity. They see that as anything contrary to standing and putting your your hand over your heart as anti-American, whatever BS, sentiment. yeah, whatever, whatever you want to attach to it, because you don't see racism or you don't see the problems in your everyday life. They don't exist is the most stupid like defense. Um, and I've been spending a lot of time in rural Idaho. So I'm seeing more and more, and I'm having these conversations like why people aren't watching the NFL or NBA and they don't, they, they don't like the pro black lives matter movement. And it's like, Cool. I mean, it, it's, it's baffling to me how, and I guess maybe it's just I'm younger. I'm talking to older people who are white and living in a small town sure. who don't see any black people, so they don't think there's any problems because it's not in their generational lives. But to ignore to ignore that it is a problem and to think they're trying to just shove a message down your throat like it's a Coca Cola commercial is incredibly. Uh, You're missing the point. Yeah, it's narrow minded. Just to put it very nicely, I don't want to curse at somebody's point of view, but it's just like these, these feelings and how you feel about America right now is affecting viewership or how you feel about sport when historically sports have been the pacifier to when there's, there's, there's disjointment or there's friction in the States. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the power of sports. It isn't the fact that it's just 22 individuals or 10 or however many the sport allows. It's the fact that it's bigger than sports because sports can bring countries together. It can bring groups of people together that we never thought possible. Mm-hmm. And it's this, this civil rights movement is the first time where I can think of where we're not seeing that harmony because sports are now actually being played. Whereas earlier with COVID at its infancy, we weren't seeing sports playing. We were all in our basements. We were all getting frustrated because there was nothing there to kind of keep our mind off of things. Mm -hmm. Now that the 
distraction, so to speak, is there. I'm glad that the distraction also has a substance behind it because I need to get bombarded with these messages because that race, that marathon will always continue, RIP to Nipsey. And it's something we cannot just stop talking about because once we do, the races win. And that's a bull take by me and I apologize for it, but that's how it feels to be a person of color in this country. And luckily for us, we have allies like Robbie, we have allies like Nick and they get it. And that's why we want things like this podcast to continue to be the foundation for our community because being a sneakerhead or being a sports fan is all about being inclusive. And it's about having these common sentiments associated with things that sometimes are off and out of our control, but we just happy to be a part of it. So. And to kind of close it up, it's, it's, it's asked backwards to enjoy the NFL when there is not <laughs> protests going on for Black Lives Matter, when the league is majorly black. I saw there was a kicker today for the Falcons coup. Yeah, Young Ho coup, my uh, fantasy kicker and also my fantasy football team name because my Young Ho coup. <laughs> my Young Ho coup. <laughs> but it's like, all right, and that's awesome. But it's like to – to not stand with the people who you've made money off betting, you've made memories with your family watching their games, you've seen their bios on, you know, inside the NFL and you've gotten to know them. Like you, you, you love them when they score you or when they earn you six points in fantasy football for scoring a touchdown. But Thank you, DK Metcalf. Yeah, but, but you're not going to show love when their people are – being killed like they're trying to bring to light that they're sick of their people being killed like that's that's this that's backwards yeah it's, it's backwards as fuck it's just it doesn't make sense um nba balloting doesn't make sense uh, social injustice doesn't a lot of things don't make sense in this world advantage no home court advantage doesn't exist doesn't make sense the electoral college doesn't make sense yes but you know there's a lot of things we try our best to make sense of them but um Sometimes it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make dollars. Not at all. Well done. <laughs> Tip my hat to you. But uh, NFL's, I mean, the funny thing is, I know they're taking a dip, but I haven't looked into what their numbers look like. It's only week two. They still got to be making that money, though. No, I believe they're still head and shoulders, the most popular sport in the country, to your earlier point, Robbie. And it's one of those things where, sure, if Jacob3278592, aka the bot from Moscow, says he's not going to watch football anymore. Great. Other people will, because that's another thing that I can kind of speak of as an immigrant. When you don't know anything about the country, you can't help but fall in love with the sports because that gives you the true indication of what a country is and how it responds to moments of joy, moments of despair. So that's enough of our political talk, I would yeah. think. But and we'll use moments of joy and moments of despair. So let's talk about fantasy football for a Perfect minute transition. because there's not an ecstasy or a pain quite like scoring or being scored on in fantasy. It's, it's the sport where you truly have no impact whatsoever other than just flicking your thumb up and down to refresh. That makes it the most painful. So I'm in a situation right now where I am currently down by a fraction of a point. If DK Metcalf gets another reception for five plus yards, I've won. And if he doesn't, well, I've lost and I have to be okay with it. But to Robbie's point, the joys and wonders of fantasy football. So I guess I would ask you, Robbie, what's your fantasy football situation looking like this year? It's looking good. I'm going to go 2-0 and here hey. um, with Mr. Feed Me, Ezekiel Elliott, owner of a new uh, interesting stomach tattoo that says Feed Me across it, which I think is more hysterical than stupid. Like, it's just literally funny. I have a question. 
in the grand scheme of great tattoos, I think this is now supplanted Jason Williams' white boy tattoo across his knuckles as my favorite unique tattoo. And I really hope it inspires copycats. I don't know, man, but it's Sean Stevenson five dollar bill on his neck and then carmelo anthony if you see the police warner brother yeah. the warner brothers logo i mean that could be another podcast for another day but questionable tattoos aside zeke is your first pick this year who what tell me about the rest of your top five we got zeke we got travis kelsey um we got young drew Brees, which i didn't want to have on my team because i realized <laughs> drew Brees isn't woke <laughs> So uh, he's on my bench. <laughs> so I've been playing Matt Stafford, but um, Raheem uh, Mostert, yes. Mostert um, he's been killing it for me. It's, just, it's, it's fun. I'm a longtime fantasy football um, player. Next season, I should have thought of this earlier. We need to do a fantasy football um, sneaker history league. That'd be a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, if you're into fantasy football, please make sure you leave a review to this episode. And tell us who your number one draft pick was this year. Are you feeling good about him? Feeling bad? Are you feeling like just the world is a is is a it's dark pending shit show? I'll curse. Yeah. And it's just the one thing you need to kind of distract yourself. Other things we like to hear about from a fantasy football perspective are tell us your funny names because that's how I know fantasy football season is here when I hear hilariously inappropriate football names. I wish mine was inappropriate. Mine is delicious chicken, uh-huh. and it's um, a photo. My photo is the, um, is it the cousin from Napoleon Dynamite? Not Rico, but the dorky one. Oh, I, I what's his name? Nobody knows his name. Yep. I, I, Listeners, help us. What's his name? I will, you keep glamping. I keep on calling that, but it's always a picture of him because I like to text the person at his beat and say, how was that dish of, de- <laughs> delicious. of delicious chicken I served you last night? And I am a chicken finger connoisseur, so... That would be the Aaron Ruel character named Kip. Kip. Oh, my God. Damn it, Kip. Oh, I should have known that. But, yeah, picture of Kip, delicious chicken. Um, it's how I come around. How's your team looking? What's your team name? Uh, we are Malhotra's Midnight Marauders because I was listening to a tribe called there Quest when I came up with it. Uh, I don't have a calling card uh, like you do, Robbie, but maybe I need to just quote a different line from I left my wallet in El Segundo. Oh, do, you, do you maraud for years? Uh Yes, I would think so. Hmm. I think the last time I won, I was the generic name Blue Team. So it was one of those things of how do I want to do this? Because I've been the guy with the funniest fantasy football team name, but then I've gone 3-13. and And then I realized when I go extremely generic, I win the league. So I'm trying to find that balance in between, like we always are in all facets of our life. Who's your, who was your first draft pick? You also, we were both number fives. Yes, we were both number five. So I decided this year because I'm in that rare spot where my Chiefs finally won a Super Bowl after 50 years last year. And then the previous year I'd won the fantasy football league that I was in that I figured, let me take a victory lap this year. And if I lose every single game, but at least I'll go down in my own terms. So I ended up with Clyde Edwards Hilaire with the fifth pick. Uh, with my second pick, I went Travis Kelsey. With my third pick, I went Patrick Mahomes because somehow nobody else in our league wanted him. DK Metcalf and Cooper Cup. So I'm pretty confident about my five, but we'll see. Sometimes fantasy football really depends on how you draft in that 10 to 15 round range. So we'll see how that goes. Cooper Cup and CC. Two of my favorite names. I don't know why. I just um, like that. Cooper Cup. Like, it's one of those fake alliteration names. But then when you look at his profile, it's st- with a K, and I'm like, oh, this is... this is Your parents were next level, Cooper oh, Cup. My goodness. I, wa- I wonder what his middle name is, and I hope it's not with a K, because then I could go the other way. 
Yeah, let's just hope Cooper Cup's parents were <laughs> hippies. Yeah, a little more mindful than that. Yes. But just, man, it's uh, I try not to get too up and down on fantasy. I used to be a multi-league owner, and now I'm just a, a one-trick pony, one team. I'm playing with the same people since probably 2009. It's, it's been a long time. For sure. I'm the same way. The one league I'm in, we started in 2010. And I think you and I had this conversation off mic, Robbie, where when you have these multiple leagues, you can't help but root for half the league. And then you're wondering, am I rooting against myself? And I know one other thing that both you and I have been guilty of is the fact that we've celebrated somebody's particular achievement on a Sunday. And then we realize, hey, I don't have that guy on my team anymore. That was last year. So tell us more about your fantasy football shortcomings. Playing with yourself is a good thing. Playing, Playing against yourself. It's never, it's never a good thing. Um, so <laughs> that's an awkward penis segue, but here we are. It was so, a mouthful. So, <laughs> so we wanted to, the main topic of today to be centered around um, the the award winners who took home the hardware in the 2019-2020 NBA season. Um, I think this is... I almost want to put an asterisk next to the season. Still, not like a negative asterisk, like a red check mark. Sure. More of like a... I would say, look at it almost like the season is italicized. It's a cosmetic change, but we need to acknowledge that there was something fundamentally different about this year because we essentially had two years in one where the back quarter and the entire postseason were all on neutral sites. And that deserves a certain recognition that might not necessarily make the achievements any less daunting or historic, but they do need to be called out because we're not going to see a season like this, knock on wood, ever again. They did they did kind of address um, – I forgot where I was going with that um, – Possibly the bubble, because I know the bubble also had its own set of awards. No, I mean, no, they addressed like the the segmented nature of it by making these awards only up until the break. They did not vote once they were in the bubble. There was an all-bubble team where like Michael Porter Jr. made the all-bubble team. I think Tyler Hero made the all-bubble team. It was was, was this random. Um, Devin Booker. I think I might know everybody. But it's just like, so they recognize that, but... I'll talk more about this when we talk about the MVP, but it's just like, if you shit the bed when you're, when you're in the bubble that I really wish that could have accounted for these type of things, because in a, a, a small example would be Tyler hero. Right. He didn't make an all rookie team. And now he, I mean, playoffs never count, but he balled out the last month. Oh yeah. he, I've texted many a friend saying, I think we finally have America's version of Manu Ginobili, which is this crafty lefty who's fearless. And Manu! Yes. It's, he's been fantastic. I mean, you get to see the advent of young players like the aforementioned Michael Porter Jr., who has his moments on offense. And then we also see players take that next step. Like Jamal Murray and Nikolai Jokic, probably fresh in our minds because we just watched the Nuggets game, have taken those leaps that we always associate with players on the cusp of stardom that have finally figured things out. And now they're on that elite level. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, let's just start off with rookies then. Sure. John Morant, I don't think that's a surprise winning Rookie of the Year. Not at all. Um, Kendrick Nunn and Zion Williamson were in contentric. Um, contentric. Um, <laughs> Kendrick, man, though, for a dude coming out of nowhere and really earning a spot, and not just on a roster, but a starting spot for the Heat, which is likely going to the NBA Finals, maybe. Um, that's, I think, impressive to come out of nowhere. Like, the left field, 
coming out of left field type situation, I think is really impressive. Zion, I never felt like should have been in contention because he missed most of the season. This much like sneakers hype should only get you so far. Um, there wasn't enough substance there. Substance, but John Morant, man, um, only thing I have on him is I'm sick of seeing the Kevin Love miss dunk. If I have to watch a miss dunk one more time, I swear to God. That's right. We we are both proponents of we don't give participation trophies here at Know Your Roots podcast. We want you to actually do the damn thing. So if you're going to dunk, make the dunk. Then we will give you all the acclaim and accolades. But if you don't, this isn't House of Highlights, man. Like I can only see that highlight so many times to Robbie's point. But other than that, Moran had a fantastic rookie season. He's going to pair well with uh, Jarius Jackson Jr. And the Grizzlies are going to be a fun team to watch. And Zion is going to Zion. I mean, we got an appetizer of what he's capable of, but next year is when I expect him to fulfill his coronation, if you will, of being that next Sean Kemp, Blake Griffin type player where he's just got bunnies out the gym. And it's all about compounding that with other basketball skills. If Zion was an appetizer, he'd be a hearty French onion soup. You think so? I go jalapeno poppers because he just pops off the screen. Oh, that's good. I was thinking more because it's like... Cajun poppers, maybe? So that way you get those... I mean, it's... It's, it's thick, it's rich, it's, it's strong. <laughs> this French onion soup, man, it's just like, that's not a light appetizer. Not at all. That's something. It is the booty model of appetizers, yes. if you will. I love a good French onion soup, so I get caught up on that. But this job, man, I mean, I I didn't buy into the hype when he came into the league. I didn't think he was going to be this good, but I, I'm pleasantly surprised to see where his game has taken him and will further take Memphis Grizzlies. Now, this next one, I, do, I don't I do agree with the winner, uh, Mr. Montrez Harrell. Uh, I don't agree with it because the six-man of, of the year award, like, he he definitely helps a lot. And, like, I, I think of you coming off the bench and just really making a huge impact, which he does. Like, I'm, sure. I'm not discounting that. Absolutely. But when you have Lou Williams there also doing the same thing, mm-hmm. I think of it as, like – the similar situation to Anthony Davis and LeBron, neither one of them are probably going to get the MVP because they're going to cancel. Everybody's always going to say, Oh, they have the other. So when you have, when you both have like the sixth and seventh men, they cancel each other out. Dennis Schroeder though, he would come in and I get that closing games um, may not make you feel like a sixth man, but you see Montrez Harrell on this, on the court late into the fourth quarter all the time. Yes. You see Lou Williams in the fourth quarter all the time. So the fact that Schroeder, Chris Paul, and um, Shot Gilgis Alexander, yeah, those were the most potent three guard, like one of the most potent, like is three man lineups in the league, and you bring that off the bench to step your game up from kind of being an afterthought or kind of overrated to a lot of people's um, taste when you were in Atlanta, yep. to come back and not to go from being like a throw in piece to make a trade work to being a fundamental part of a team that went from zero expectations to pushing the Rockets. Like that's, um, no, they didn't push the Rockets. No, No, they they did. did, Yeah. To push the Rockets. Like that is, I think that's the, the definition of a guy that comes in and changes the game. For sure. I wanted him to win it personally. That's just me though. What do you think? No, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I was also wondering if some of your bias was because that both Montrez and Lou play for a certain other franchise. I just fought the Clippers every day. That that had nothing to do with, FTC yeah. all day, all day. Uh, 365. Yeah. yeah. No, I think the one thing that probably worked against Dennis in this case was the fact that you mentioned, Robbie, the point guard rotation that the Thunder have is 
definitely a strength. And there are going to be moments where you just kind of play the two hot hands and Dennis Schroeder might not be them. Your point about them pushing the Rockets, Schroeder was a lot, a, a big deal a part of that as well because of the fact that he was so quick, he was so dynamic, and he forced people on that Houston Rockets team to make a decision guarding-wise. And he has been effective. And I'm really interested to see what happens from this Oklahoma City team because if we're reading the tea leaves, Chris Paul may not be there that much longer. So I'm really interested to see how do they handle that because they had that veteran leadership this year. It's going forward. What are they hoping to do in that team, especially given the amount of draft picks that they also have? It, they've got something absurd like 11 draft picks in the next five drafts. So. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just going to be interesting where they go from here. Yes. So many draft picks. I mean, it's when you look at their draft board in the next coming five years, it looks like it's it's not real. Like, <laughs> who fucked up and has made this wrong? But Apparently, Daryl Morey did. Yes. <laughs> and, a, I mean, a lot of people did. Yes. He got players. I mean, the Oklahoma, Sam Presti got players in and out of there and, like, cashing out vouchers, pretty much, it felt like. I'm just waiting for him to package all however many draft picks to somebody and say, here is literally an NBA team worth of potential. I want your star. Are you going to do it? Because it's going to be one of those things where just the outrageous nature of that trade is going to be newsworthy. It's so. going to be interesting. So next up here, most improved, Mr. Brandon Ingram won. Um, Bam Adebayo and Luca were in contention. Luca, I think when you're talking MVP, you shouldn't be talking most improved. That's, that's silly in my book. Bam, if you include in the bubble, yes. I know okay. he was an all-star, fantastic. Sure. Brandon, also an all-star. That's super cool. He did really step his game up. Coming out of LeBron's shadow and out of the shit show that was the Lakers before mm-hmm. um, LeBron got there is only going to help your game, and that proved it, being a feature in New Orleans, especially with no Zion. But Devontae Graham, I think when you go from four to like 19 points, whatever it was, four yes. to 15 Dude's just, I mean, you look like two different players from a fringe player to a bona fide starter. Not a bona fide star, but a night in 82 game season starter. Mm-hmm. That's that's the glow up. Like, I, don't, I don't get, he didn't even get contention and, and that's messed up. And that's the thing that's always bugged me about this award because it's been so nebulous. A lot of the time what we associate with this award is what you had just mentioned, Robbie. We've got a scrub that made it into an all-star over the course of one season and we have to reward the transformation and I get that. But when you look at who was in contention and the three players you had mentioned, Ingram, Adebayo, Doncic, all all-star level, if not all-star players, they don't deserve to be in this. Now, I agree with the fact that they probably did cut this award off as the bubble started. So maybe Ingram is a winner if you're looking at that criteria, but there does need to be something that's a little bit more tangible because of the fact that this often also serves as a popularity contest. It's almost become that bridesmaid award where you may not win the MVP, but Hey, at least we gave you most improved player. So that way we do acknowledge your greatness that's taking place. I don't know. I wish there would be a little bit better reform for this award, but maybe that won't happen until I'm the commissioner than the NBA. So we'll see. We'll have to see. So next up here, Giannis Antetokounmpo, which I try to get that right. I think I got pretty damn close. You did get pretty I close. I saw in a post where it's like, if you can figure out how to say cappuccino, you can learn how to say his last name. <laughs> and it's just like, that's so right. Just because African name or like, I mean, I know he's Greek, but just like, just because it looks hard. Yeah. And the, no, that's 100% Greek. That's my wrong there. But it's just like, if it looks foreign, like you just give up reading it, like that's messed up. Make an effort. No, as somebody that's been called Rohit for the entirety of my life, I always tell people, just read it phonetically because 
if you at least read it phonetically, you'll get closer than if you try to over-foreignize a name, because mm-hmm. I think we've all been guilty of that, myself included. I'm looking at the other finalists in this league, uh, in this award. We see Anthony Davis, we see Rudy Gobert, and I'm wondering, is this just part of the mythology of Giannis? Because I think Anthony Davis does do a greater job in terms of the fact that he is a shutdown corner, whereas Giannis is more like a free safety. You tend to put him on probably one of the weaker players on the other team, so that way he can play free safety and he can jump lanes and get those steals that we kind of see as the trigger of a highlight. Mm-hmm. But Rudy Gobert has kind of been a mainstream pick for this for a while, so I'm not surprised by his inclusion. And it's just one of those things where even a guy like LeBron, who has those spectacular moments on defense. He may not have the foundational work that we see on a day-to-day basis, but even that warrants some sort of mention because so often we don't see those highlights in terms of what somebody did great on the defensive end. So I'm always there for that. Anything you want to add on top of that, Robbie? Rudy is my win because mm-hmm. he shut down the league. So like That's true. You the stifle sh- tower. You shut mean- down play, you win defensive player of the year. Um, but no, man, Giannis, I mean, he does so many things great in- what doesn't he do though? So I like, I understand him winning. I like Anthony Davis just because I like Anthony Davis more. So I wish he would have won, but I mean, with this, I feel like toss up. If you had Anthony Davis on the half of a coin and Giannis on the other side, I'm not going to be mad with side comes up. Now this next, these last two are kind of, I think these are a lot tougher. Okay. So coach of the year, Nick nurse won. That might not seem tough to a lot of people. They lost Kawhi. They shouldn't have. I mean, again, this is before the bubble started. So who knew how well they were going to play in the playoffs, all that jazz. It was unknown at this point. But just for them to be where they were, that that warranted his placement as winner. I think Billy Donovan should have won mm-hmm. because when you were literally told you were going to be the scum of the league, and you make the playoffs. Nobody ever told the Raptors, "Oh, you guys are gonna, you guys only have a chance of sniffing the playoffs." They were a fringe. They were being put on the outlook as like a fringe playoff team, not the second seed. Um, but to go from literally like you are gonna be chewed up gum on the bottom of the seat to making the playoffs—that's yep. like that's the coaching job of the year. Absolutely. And that's what makes his removal from that position even more shocking because I believe he's not even re-signing with Oklahoma City. And whoever does end up with Billy Donovan is going to get a coach that has shown us in a couple different ways that he can handle these big star egos like Russell Westbrook. He can handle rebuilds on the fly like we saw with CP3 and Thunder this year. I will say Mike Budenhoser is probably the one candidate that has suffered most for being in contention because – Like Robbie had mentioned, we've seen him and his quality of management drop off in the bubble because of his inability to adapt with the times. And I think Nick Nurse is a willing winner in the sense that he probably gave us as spirited of a defensive title as we've seen in a while. Because every Toronto Raptors game that we saw in the playoffs this year was a dogfight. Mm -hmm. It wasn't pleasing to watch. It's not something we're going to hang up in a museum and cycle through 24 hours. But the sheer determination and the intangibles that he coaxed out of this team to overachieve the way that they did does deserve some sort of reward and merit. So I'm okay with that. Offensive genius. Offensive genius for sure. If you listen to this and you're a Raptors fan, John, if you ever listen to this, I'm sorry. I mean, they were they overachieved. Like I think Pascal Siakam is overrated, like hell. But he's a great story, right? Coming up from like I think he was G League MVP. Yes, and now he's an All Star. Like that's great. We'll go more into him later. But it's just the Raptors, great job. I won't hate on him too much. But the MVP, the head honcho of the league, the most coveted award, 
Um, Giannis, winner, two time in a row, could have arguably been third. I mean, three time in a row. Mm-hmm. James Harden didn't ball out, but I am adamantly against this this particular choice because for LeBron James to be as old as he is, mm-hmm. and you know, we've all known he's a great passer for sure. But to literally learn a new trick, say, all right, I'm going to leave the league and assist. Yeah, no big deal. Um, and while still scoring like 25 a game, no big deal. Um, while like never really getting hurt, no big deal. Um, just like leading in the West, which is a much more difficult conference. Eh, okay. Like I don't, I don't get the media with that. It's just like, it's, I feel like everybody skipped Bayless when I see this, mm-hmm. even though Skip Bayless said that LeBron should have won the award. In year 17, to average a double-double and assist in points that you've never done, it's just like... There are new wrinkles to his game that we don't even associate with players half his age. Like if we saw somebody like, let's say Nikola Jokic, right? A guy that is known for his passing. If he averages a double-double tomorrow or next year with that second double being 10 or more assists a game, we're going to throw that dude a parade. And unfortunately, LeBron is a victim of his own success because of the fact that we just don't get starstruck by what he's able to do night in and night out. And this is something I have a conversation with a lot of people about over the years. I'm not even a LeBron guy per se, but he's the first person that I can think of that has lived up to every ounce of hype that came with him before he even set foot in the league. And now he's just getting a victory lap in. And I will play devil's advocate. I think this award is kind of meant to look at this individual season by itself. And in that way, I guess you can make the argument for Giannis because he did leave his team to a better record in the East. If it's a multi-pronged, multi-year award, this should really be the LeBron James award for most valuable basketball player of the NBA because he is continually the best player that we're seeing it's more a source of frustration why people won't acknowledge the greatness because every time we do talk about what his shortcomings are, it's inevitably because we're comparing them to something that's already been done. And one thing I will say about Jordan is the fact that Jordan didn't have to chase a ghost that was as large as Jordan was for LeBron because Jordan had Magic and Larry that he kind of used his yard markers to evaluate himself under. And then when he was able to do that, what else could we do? Because we thought before Jordan... Magic and Larry were the gold standard. Uh, on top of that, people didn't care about basketball like that when, like, before like, in the seventies, like Magic and Larry had to keep the league afloat. Yes, and it's like now. I mean, it's like Michael Jordan is ingrained in your closet, in your memory, like everything. Every single listener of this podcast has a willing relationship with Jordan, whether they want to acknowledge yeah. it or not. They're going to have that same attitude and relationship with LeBron. The other thing I will say is this: LeBron has done the same thing as Jordan, but without half the scrutiny, or sorry, Jordan didn't have to do this with half the scrutiny that LeBron has had to face because we are in that social media era. And these stories that we often heard about Jordan being competitive were kind of looked at as mythical tales. If any of that shit was caught on uh, footage or caught on tape, we're not holding Jordan in the same revered tones that we are now. And I think that's something that LeBron and his disciples have to always prepare in terms of their argument about why LeBron is a better player than Jordan. I just feel like voter fatigue wasn't a thing with him. I mean, or maybe MJ was just that much better than everybody else. 
And now the league is just full of so many talented people. But they had that voter fatigue with Karl Malone because I remember watching The Last Dance that he did get a MVP off Jordan, but that's what fueled Jordan to get that title. Because to your point, Robbie, that voter fatigue is so strong and it's all not even fatigue, it's burnout because we keep seeing the same guy dominate every facet of the game. We want something different, even if we have to fabricate it ourselves as voters. Mm -hmm. This drives me nuts, man. It's like, love the man, give him his dues, give him his awards. I mean, it's, it's... it's it's a travesty that he only has four MVPs in 17 seasons. Like, it's a joke, am I, to me. Yeah, the way I look at it is he's getting a gold medal because he wins an MVP seemingly every four years, so... Yeah, right, I mean, it's just, it's, it's whatever, it's okay. So, let's go ahead and get into all NBA teams. Um, first team, I feel like all these are pretty much no-brainer. I don't have a problem with any of these. Giannis, Luka, LeBron... James Harden, Anthony Davis. Um, voters were very strong with these five. The next two teams, there was a lot more um, competition. Sure. Kawhi was close. He had 39 first team votes. Luca was the lowest earner in the first team at 59. Mm-hmm. So 20, still 20 points off between the leading vote getter and the second team and the first. I don't think there's anything here. I mean, James Harden, obviously. <laughs> I mean, what's crazy. So this is his sixth first, I mean, his sixth All-NBA first team. Right. Like, I don't like James Harden because his play style annoys me. I recognize and respect him, though, because you don't accidentally make six first teams. That's why you should respect Dwight Howard. You don't have to like him. You can hate him all you want, but, like... I mean, those awards do not lie. A lot of people play in the league every year. A lot of people play in the league every year, and very few have the dominance that we associate with this first team. And James Harden, while being the poster boy for this new analytical movement in the NBA, has been a dominant basketball player. And if we're looking at the top five players in the league, the dominance has to be a trait of that, and James Harden has it in the regular season. And until they move this award to be postseason encompassing as well, I'm fine with James Harden getting this because we all know that when the clock strikes midnight, James Harden inevitably turns into a pumpkin. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's cool. I mean, not everybody's built for that moment, but James Harden is built to play basketball. Like, yes. I mean, I, I that really just, I've taken for granted James Harden because I was always in dribble, dribble, shoot, dribble, dribble, foul. But six, I mean, that's six elite, elite years. And there's more years where he was really good. So it's just like, Damn, James Harden's been on one yes. for a, for a while. Well, I mean, Luca, first team and his second season. I mean, I think he if he can stay healthy. I mean, it's this question numbers. Of, he yep. how many won't he win? I mean, well, how many won't he be a part of? It's it, it's insane. He's this is so talented. Blows my mind. Um, now, second team is where I start having some questions here. Um, you have Kawhi Leonard. No question with that one. Um, the Joker at center, no question with that one. Damian Lillard at guard, no question. Chris Paul, I felt like he was more of a third teamer, mm-hmm. but we'll go into that. And then Pascal Siakam, why is Pascal there? And- I'll tell you why. Who won the title last season? The Raptors. And because of the fact that they were able to defend the title with such vim and vigor as they have, I think a Toronto Raptor needed to be acknowledged. Mm-hmm. I think he showed in flashes why he might be the best player on that squad but i still think kyle lowry is far more important to that roster and that organization so if you are supposed to give one of these spots to a toronto raptor i'd rather you give this to kyle lowry and make him an honorary third team member because i do think that pascal siakam is essentially stealing a spot with his involvement because i think he's a good player he's not a great player 
See, I think it should have been either Jimmy Butler, who's being counted as a forward, which mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense to me at all. But I mean, it's 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 been like that all season, so it is what it is. And Russell Westbrook, he had a horrible playoffs, but dude was balling in the regular season. He like, was. He missed a little bit of time, but I mean, Chris Paul, I third team for sure. Like, I'm not saying he's not all NBA, sure, but I don't like him or Pascal. And the second team. So I guess, and you're probably going to touch on this a little bit later. Who would you move? Would you move Russ to the second team then? Or is there another? Russ up to second. And then I'm also putting Jason Tatum up in second. Okay. Now, because I'm putting Jalen Brown. No, I'm putting him on defense. Excuse me. So I'm not going to put Jalen Brown here. Sure. But so third team is where I have some other issues here. So again, I would have moved Jason Tatum up to second, but he made third team. Jimmy Butler, again, would have made him up top, but he made third team. Rudy Gobert, I'm okay with that. Ben Simmons, I don't like that one. And Russell Westbrook, I do like. That's where I like Kyle Lowry, like you were saying. Like an honorary third team. If you want to reward the Raptors because they did have probably one of the most memorable wins as a champion because of the fact that nobody expected that to win except for maybe one country in the whole world. And they mm-hmm. were obviously biased. I like Ben Simmons as a third team male NBA player. I think... I will also play devil's advocate for Chris Paul because I think this is probably as impressive of a thing as he's done is lift that Oklahoma City team to, I don't want to say mediocrity, but he got them into the first round of the playoffs. And that was almost considered a pipe dream coming into the season. Mm -hmm. See, I mean, like I would have, if I needed to have a 76er, I would have taken Rudy Gobert out and put in Joel Embiid. And that's fair. So I would have had like, okay, just what they have here, Jason Tatum's right. Jimmy Butler's right. I would have put Embiid. I would have put Kyle Lowry and then Russell Westbrook. I'm okay with it. I would have Perfect. moved it up. But I mean, like, so everybody always saying how Chris Middleton isn't that good or like that good of an all-star player. Sure. He got more third team votes than Paul George and Brandon Ingram, both of which are also all-star players. Right. Um, you know, Bam Adebayo, Carl Anthony Towns uh, got more than Bradley Beal, which is a damn shame. I mean, like, I would have even put Bradley Beal on the third team just as like a bro, you balled out. Here you go. He's been doing this for a while. And it's one of those sad things that as an NBA fan, we kind of want him to go to a better situation because he deserves that visibility. And he's just not getting it in D.C. And we don't know if he will ever leave that situation. And they need to trade him. They need to help him get out of that situation. Yes, they do. But um, so just to talk on defense really quick, we'll go we'll go through first team here. Sure. Um, Rudy Gobert. Lock in. I'm totally okay with that. Sure. Giannis, totally okay with it. Anthony Davis, totally okay. I think it should have been two Celtics on the first team. This is where I like Jalen Brown. Sure. I am historically not a Celtics fan either, but having watched him play in the playoffs and even over the past two years, that dude gets no shine and plays. I mean, he's insightful as a human being off the court and on the court, equally insightful. He makes so many smart passes, smart blocks, smart drives in the lane just he's so efficient and does every little thing he's like jason tatum's yang and it's made us like the yang isn't as sexy as the yang yes but man jalen brown is an elite defender man it drives me nuts how he didn't make any of these teams i think he's so good it should have been two celtics i think that's how you know the hallmark of a true nba fan just ask them to tell you what they think of jason brown uh, jalen brown i like the marcus smart thing i think he's probably been the most fun defender to watch in the entire playoffs because of the fact that he sometimes he'll just do it through sheer force. Other times he'll do it through a flop and you kind of have to live with the results. 
I think Kyle Lowry is also built that way. I will say Ben Simmons has the potential to be a future defensive player of the year winner because he has the best parts of a Kawhi Leonard type defender because he just has this unreal athleticism. And it's the one thing that we don't use his offense against him. So he truly is a shutdown defender. I think he will win one probably in the next three years just because of the fact that he's long, he's tenacious, and he just has a unique skill set that we're not used to seeing, which always resonates well with the voters. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kawhi, I mean, it has to be the, the load. The load management must have hurt Kawhi in every single one of these categories. Not only did it hurt him here, apparently it hurt him in the playoffs. Because, I mean, that's the thing that I think the NBA boomer fan, if he or she does exist, load management sucking is a great win for them. Because I think next year we'll probably see a little bit more in terms of Kawhi showing up for games as opposed to being rested as much as he has been for the past two years. Mm -hmm. And speaking of just not living up in the playoffs, so the Bucs, within the the first and second team all defense, you have Giannis on first team. You have Brooke Lopez and Eric Blitz. So you had three all-NBA defenders, and you could not stop Jimmy Butler. That's really strange because I also think Middleton is worth his weight as a defender. And, yeah, to your point, we're going to talk about these Bucks the same way we used to talk about the Atlanta Hawks, another Mike Budenholzer team, where really nice team, but just whenever the moment turns to the postseason, we just don't see that same success. And maybe it's the fact that you're playing the same teams over and over and over again. So people are quickly quicker to pick up on the things that you do. You build the great wall of Giannis. Yes. Which he will he will break down the wall that like the Great Wall of China, it will prove useless at some point. Yep. And he will overcome. Of course. All I can think of is the Mongolian shitty wall from South Park. Shitty wall, shitty beef. Yes. Um, go play South Park, the fractured butthole. That game's awesome. Oh. I just need to get sponsored by, uh, I think it's... Uh, is it Epic Studios or... I, I believe it's Epic, but no, it's uh, Ubisoft that like distributes it. So Ubisoft, what's up? Give this man a copy, please. But, all right. That has been a fun-filled episode talking NBA, NFL, a lot of social injustice. But you know, if you don't like that, listen somewhere else because... We're here about that life. So thank you for listening. Giannis, I'm sorry for getting your last name origin wrong there earlier. Didn't mean to. It's all right. Um, but I'm Robbie. You can find me at R-A-H-B-E-E-702. But more importantly, make sure you're following Sneaker History. We have a Discord and Patreon. When you are a member of the Patreon, you get extra access to our um, Discord channels. You get extra stuff. We help each other out buying things. Everybody's really nice lads. Rose in it. Um, I'm probably the biggest malcontent. So if you can tolerate me in the past 50 minutes, then you're definitely going to love our community. It's a good time. It's a fantastic time. Where can they find you, though? Uh, They can find me on Twitter at Rohisi, and they can find me on Instagram at rohitm13. Cool, man. I appreciate you. Hope everybody had fun listening, and have a great rest of your day. What up, y'all? This is Nick again. First, I wanted to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. It really means a lot that you would spend a part of your day rocking with us. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a few favors. If you're looking for more content from the Sneaker History crew, head over to patreon.com sneakerhistory. Our Patreon members get access to exclusive episodes of the podcast, our latest merch, giveaways, and much more. You can become a member for as little as 5 bucks a month, and it really goes a long way supporting the crew. Next, make sure you're signed up for our email newsletter. We share updates about the footwear business, some of our favorite finds and deals, and other sneaker-related news a couple times per week. I like to think of it as a one-stop shop for the sneaker game, or at least a work-in-progress one-stop shop for the sneaker game, if you know what I mean. Last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. Whether online or in person, social distancing in effect, of course, it helps make the sneaker community a better place, and you never know what conversation and opportunity might come from it. 
As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.